As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening. Welcome to the Major Huddle Podcast. It's Sammy Jake, TJ, along with a short recap. Andy has 3810 over And now on the season, Michigan State is one on one. They're ranked 24th in some polls and uh, 23rd in others. So looking back at Ball State, it was a solid win for Indiana. And we'll see how they uh, do the next game. TJ, great fall weather. Uh, well, hot. It was like summer weather on Saturday. But a good win for IU. How are you today? Yeah, feel very well. And uh, certainly it's good to uh, good to sweep the non-conference slate uh, for the Hoosiers when you look into Big Ten play. Um, you know, there's a general feeling of optimism, I think, right now. Uh, around the program, and understandably so. I mean, um, it was a not only three and O, but a, a pretty impressive three and O. I think. Yeah, what it was a, a good three and O. Now, the casual fan, those team names don't really uh, strike right. much fear into them. But if you look at at FIU schedule, they dropped I think over sixty points on UMass last week. Uh, Virginia beat a tough Ohio team where they had to play that game at Vanderbilt due to the hurricane. And then, uh, of course, you, you know, Ball State gave Notre Dame fits, uh, and we'll see what they do the rest of the season. But anytime you could sweep the non-conference, uh, second year in a row that they've done that, you're 3-0 and now. It feels a lot different than last year when you're at 3-2. and I have Michigan State coming in a night game. I, I think you feel pretty good about Indiana's chances as they played on in all phases of the game on, on Saturday against Ball State. Let's review Ball State quickly. Uh, TJ, what did you like from that game that Indiana needs to continue to do the rest of the season to succeed? Well, I mean, it, um, it's hard to pick out even just a few points. There were so many positives to come out of that game. Uh, first and foremost, I think – the fact that Indiana uh, got into control relatively early, uh, you know, Ball State did have some success moving the ball, um, and Indiana made a couple of mistakes early on in that game. But for the most part, Indiana established control of that contest pretty early, uh, and really, outside of uh, like one possession uh, that, that Ball State had in the second half, IU didn't let up. Um, that was. That was impressive to me. Uh, if the Hoosiers wanted to, uh, it felt like they, 
you know, pretty easily put up over 50 points uh, in that contest. I mean, I, I don't think anybody expected uh, for IU to be in a position where, you know, Mike Siakabal was, was in the game. Um, so very impressive from a uh, taking care of business standpoint, if you will, uh, for Indiana. Um, I thought that the, uh, the offense opinion, it was a very well, well called game, uh, by Mike DeBoard. I thought, uh, the Hoosiers did a really good job of getting guys, uh, to the perimeter, um, and mixing that in with, uh, with Stevie Scott's run game. And it was good to see, um, good to see a, a few other running threats, step up as well. Ronnie Walker, of course, would be the one that uh, immediately jumps to mind. Um, Peyton Ramsey also had a nice day running the ball, and I thought Ramsey was overall very accurate, very solid. Um, You know, again, there's not that uh, consistent vertical uh, with him, but, you know, again, he showed he was very accurate. I thought made very good decisions in the the zone read. whether or not to keep the ball or or hand it off um, and finding some running space for himself. Uh, So I I think that was really good on the offensive side. And on the defensive side, um, really, I was impressed with the the job that they did scheming to get pressure. Uh, Early on, Riley Neal was able to get into a rhythm uh, Ball State went up tempo and kind of moved the ball pretty well. Uh, Indiana made adjustments of uh, blitzing, bringing pressure, and uh, really started to dominate uh, the Ball State offensive line, getting to Riley Neal and forcing him to uh, be able to move around if he was going to have any time to throw. Uh, and that, that really disrupts say, an up tempo offense when you get into the backfield and create negative plays. And IU was able to do that. And, again, uh, they did a nice job against running backs. You know, uh, quarterbacks have been able to to move the ball with their legs against Indiana. Uh, Bryce Perkins did it. Riley Neal did it some. Uh, but running backs have had a pretty hard time against IU's, uh, IU's rush defense. So definitely some areas to work on, but uh, a lot of positives there, too. And then, obviously, special teams. Uh, was a standout. It was great to see Jason Harris get the pump return touchdown, uh, and he looks really dangerous once again. Uh, doesn't look like he's lost a step at all. Uh, very explosive, and any time he gets the ball, there's a feeling of excitement. Uh, and and I, it's going to be interesting to see whether teams, again, start to uh, avoid punting the ball to him. They, they probably should, to be honest. Uh, so it, it was good to see that. And, of course, no block kicks this time around, so that was nice. Um, all phases of the game, I thought Indiana did um, really well. I mean, obviously some areas to improve, of course, but uh, overall, it, uh, an A-plus effort around the board. Yeah, I thought it was a really good effort. I did think that IU could have scored more. Uh, they yeah. elected to, to go for it on fourth down inside the 10. They didn't get it with all the you know backups in. Uh, Stevie Scott fumbles inside the 30. Uh, that gave up points. You had a couple holding penalties on – I mean, Jason Harris should have had more return yards. Um, you know, he had another bit long return that, that got called back uh, because of 
of a penalty on a holding penalty. And, you know, that, that field goal that IU settled for in the first, in the first quarter, I really, you know, could have been a touchdown there. So 50, 50 wasn't out of the question. I would have liked IU to kick that field goal aesthetically. And this is really for fans and maybe uh, the national media, a 41-10 win. Uh, it, it just, you know, it has a little bit better ring to it than 38. Oh, although it's two points, but anytime you get over that hump to 40 points, uh, it, it's it's a nice feel. Uh, defensively, I, I I think the game changed when uh, I agree with you, TJ. We, we mentioned it in our group text during the game uh, when IU started to bring pressure. I, I thought one of the one of the guys who stood out to me was James Head. Uh, they used him a lot yep. as a spy on um, on Riley Neal. I think he's going to be a key this week. And, uh, you know, we'll see. The, the, the play that stood out to me the most of his uh, was he was playing a spy. They, they lined him up as uh, a middle linebacker position. Uh, he's fast enough to do that. Uh, flushed Riley Neal out of the pocket on a delayed uh, on a spy uh, look, Riley Neal took off. He chased him down, forced an incomplete pass. Jason Harris returned the punt uh, for a touchdown on the ensuing play, and basically the rest is history. And once IU started to pressure uh, Riley Neal, that defense took off. Uh, they missed the tackle on James Gilbert's touchdown run. Um, but other than that, they, they played uh, almost flawlessly. Uh, they do have to get – I like using Reese Taylor on kickoff returns. I, I'd like to see IU fair catch a few kickoffs that, you know, are high, and they field at the one- or two-yard line uh, since they're not getting them out that far. But, you know, Reese had a good game on offense, on special teams. They need to clean up the blocking on special teams in terms of getting penalties. They had a penalty on a punt. They had a penalty on a kickoff. Uh, so those things. IU did block a punt. It was due to a bad snap, uh, but they did block the punt. Unfortunately, I don't think that turned into points uh, like that. They did get one takeaway. What concerns me about the defense uh, heading forward is early on for first down uh, defense. Ball State was moving the ball at will early on. Uh, they average, I think, over the first two drives, 6.7 yards per play on first down. That just – you can't win games like that. Uh, luckily, IU adjusted – or good for IU that they adjusted uh, to that. And um, other than that, I mean, they gave up 200 yards on the ground to Ball State. And they have a Michigan State team uh, coming in who, who's struggling running the ball, struggling along the offensive line. Uh, so – you know, we'll see. We'll talk about this in a few minutes, TJ, about our keys to the game. But I, that was concerning about the defense to me. Uh, and then offensively, they're going to need to open up this offense a little bit. I thought Peyton Ramsey did a good job of distributing the ball. He left one pass uh, fluttering a little a little much uh, that Jason Harris made a great play on uh, to prevent the interception. There are a few passes across the middle where you kind of – Hold your breath when Luke Timmy goes up and gets it that he doesn't take a big lick. But, you know, it looks like Peyton Ramsey, uh, you know, he totally has command of the offense. Uh, 
but he needs to throw the ball downfield a little bit more. Michael Penix getting in the game. He looked okay uh, throwing the ball, running the offense, led them to a co- led IU to a couple scores. Uh, he looked good this season. They got him on the field. Is he ready to take over uh, half the game against Michigan State? We'll see. We just haven't seen that much of him uh, other than the FIU and the, uh, FIU game and the Ball State game. So I think they need to open up this offense uh, in terms of the deep passing. They have great wide receivers. It was kind of shocking that Donovan Hale didn't have a catch on Saturday, but uh, you know they found Luke Timian had a big game. I think Westbrook had a, a few catches. Matt Bjorson had a few catches. Uh, guys like that. They got Wap Fielder the ball uh, finally again uh, this game. So a lot of good things come out of this game. Uh, getting out three and zero, heading into Michigan State night game at Memorial Stadium should be. There's no excuse other than that you can't afford tickets and they're seventy dollars. And I get that. That's way too high. But there's no excuse not to go to this game uh, other than maybe you can't afford a $70 ticket. Even then, you could go on StubHub uh, and get cheaper tickets. And, or, you know, if you're a recent alum, they have a, a young alumni packages that are $10 a ticket and things like that. So no excuse not to go uh, to this game on Saturday. I, I do think the student crowd against Ball State was fantastic. A noon game, it was a gazillion degrees in the sun. They stayed the entire first half. Uh, were strong. They came out strong uh, and things like that. So a real shout-out to those guys. I'm excited to see uh, what the crowd is like on Saturday night in Bloomington. TJ, let's get down to Michigan State. Michigan State's 1-1. One one. They have not looked impressive thus far this season. They lost – or they, they beat Utah State uh, – uh, in the final minute in week one at home, they went on the road, lost in the final minute to lost as time expired to, to Arizona state 16, 13. They're struggling to run the ball. They have a pretty decent defense and are they Brian Lewerke is still a good quarterback. I uh, could run the ball, throw the ball, and they have some great wide receivers. The issue is running the ball with LJ Scott in that offensive line. What do you look for in Michigan State coming into this game? Uh, I mean, uh, they are certainly a uh, difficult opponent to evaluate, and I'm sure the coaching staff uh, feels the same way. You know, you only have two games of tape on them. Uh, one is the opener against Utah State, which I'm sure to uh, to the Spartans feels like, you know, two months ago at this point. Uh, and then the second one is week two at Arizona State, a close loss in which, um, you know, their offense never really got on track against a Sun Devils team that uh, last year was woeful on defense. Uh, and this year, you thought, well, okay, maybe Arizona State's just really good. Well, Arizona State went out last week, uh, week three, um, after beating Michigan State, went on the road and lost to San Diego State and uh, did not play well at all on defense. Um, San Diego State's a really good program, uh, and they they can overwhelm you physically, uh, which I think is uh, is probably kind of going to be what Indiana's offense attempts to do against Michigan State. Um, I would hope that the Hoosiers, like you said, open up that offense a little bit. I think the goal is going to be uh, 
get Stevie Scott going, get the run game going, and at that point, some shots down the field uh, with your athletes. Let guys like Donovan Hale, Nick Westbrook, um, Luke Timmy, and let them make plays. Uh, I, I think the offensive game plans so far have been very good. It just there needs to be a little bit more aggression there now that you're stepping up in competition. Uh, on the other side of the ball, I, I know that you and I have spoken on this podcast and, um, you know, we've, we've written about it as well when writing about running backs. Uh, neither of us have ever been that enamored with L.J. Scott as a player. Um, I, I know that for a couple of years, every year before the season, you read, you know, NFL back. I just don't see it. Um, I don't think that he creates extra yardage for you. Um, I don't think that there's consistent bursts. And when his offensive line is struggling, which it is has been so far this season, uh, I don't think that he is able to take, a, you know, a two-yard gain and turn it into a four- or five-yard gain, um, which so far is something Stevie Scott is doing very well. And I use offensive line is not struggling. So, you know, you enter into the game thinking uh, after the past couple of seasons, well, you know, Michigan State, uh, you know, physical team, run the ball well. Indiana struggles to run the ball. Uh, so far, that has not proven to be the case. Michigan State has not run the ball that well. Uh, last year they didn't do it all that well, and this year they haven't either. Um, for them, it's more about the athletes they have at receiver uh, and Brian Lewerke, who is a very capable dual-threat quarterback to necessarily look to run the ball all that often. They're not going to call a lot of straight runs for him. Uh, but if the play breaks down, much like what we saw Riley Neal do, if the play breaks down, he can absolutely hurt you with big plays with his legs. Uh, so that's something IU has got to be a, do a better job of. Uh, we saw them adjust to it with Riley Neal. We saw them adjust to it with Bryce Perkins. Uh, hopefully they are used to uh, playing that type of quarterback here and uh, can can keep Brian Lewerke in the pocket. Now, he does have some very capable receivers, but uh, I like Indiana's secondary. I think they've proven to be pretty rock solid. Um, a couple mistakes here and there in pass coverage is going to be expected, but uh, I think the Hoosiers have the defensive backs and the safeties to match up very much, which is surprising to me. It, it seems like the type of program that you would expect you know, good tight ends to come out of. Uh, they're having to use those guys to block more than anything right now because their offensive line is having a difficult time creating holes uh, for their their uh, running game. I think that uh, their backup running back, Hayward, uh, is a better player than L.J. Scott is. It'll be interesting to see how much he gets the ball. Um, Indiana's goal on defense is going to certainly be make Michigan State one-dimensional, turn this into a game where uh, they can't get their running game going, it stays off track as it is right now, and you force the game to beat your secondary. Uh, I think IU feels pretty good about their ability, if that's what it boils down to, if if Michigan State is having to pass uh, on a consistent basis and be in obvious passing situations, uh, I think IU's going to like their chances of, IU, of the secondary against the Michigan State passing game. And I think that's going to be the goal 
um, for the Hoosiers. And on the other side of the ball, uh, I think the goal is going to be, like I said, establish your running game with Stevie Scott continuing to look like a really good player, uh, not just in the future, but right now. Um, and then, you know, allow that to uh, work off of that and open up your passing game a little bit, uh, hit a big play here and there, and um, uh, kind of overwhelm Michigan State's defense with with that physicality that we've seen them play with so far. So that's going to be, I, I think, kind of the game plan for the Hoosiers. Um, it's just a matter of whether or not IU can uh, go out there and execute. But, I, you know, I'll ask you, uh, what do you think Indiana needs to do in terms of finishing this game out? Because we have seen IU be very close with big opponents. Uh, do you think that this, what we've seen so far, I mean, it, we're not going to know until they actually go out there and do it. But what we've seen so far from this IU team, uh, is this a team and a program that you feel confident is at a place where they are ready to take that next step and finish off one of these games against a big opponent? Well, I think, you know, some of this is don't let the the moment get too big for you uh, and kind of relax a little bit. It it seems like the last few years that every time I use close to one of these wins, uh, they get super tight. They start making mistakes. Um, That hasn't happened really this year at the end of games, they've tightened it up. They've made, you know, outside of the Virginia game, and you can excuse that for the weather, but they, they tightened it up. They did what they needed to do and they won the game. They didn't get antsy and things like that. But in terms of on the field production, you can't shoot yourself in the foot. You can't get these, um, holding penalties on, on kick return and punt returns and you get good returns. Uh, that can't happen. You're giving up field position. Michigan State's starting punter is out. He's out for the next six to eight weeks. Uh, so Jake Hartberger is not going to play. He's one of the better punters in the league. So they have a backup punter. Uh, Mark D'Antonio also mentioned that one of their like third-string quarterbacks it could be uh, the punter as well, things like that. So Michigan State's kind of – they're not reeling, but – that's an area where, okay, now you have a backup punter punting to, to one of the best punt returners in the country. He's bound to make a mistake. Uh, you know, you lose, you have an offensive line who got their tails whipped against Arizona State. And I'm not all bought into this bye week is great stuff in college football. Uh, a lot of times we see teams come off the bye week uh, rusty and sluggish uh, and in need of a wake-up call. And other times we see that they're well-rested and, and coming off uh, pretty well. But, you yeah. know, IU I, need to control the moment, control their emotions. Don't let let the, the moment become too big. It's, this, it's not just another game. It's the next game. And that's how Tom Allen has preached it uh, over the last, uh, you know, few weeks. They focused on Ball State last week. They did well. Uh, there's going to be a big crowd, uh, hopefully, in Bloomington. I used to just got to don't let that moment get too big. And you, you, if you need to take a timeout late in the game or something or in the first half, settle guys down, 
just do it. Use it kind of like a basketball timeout, uh, especially in the first half. Uh, you could do that and, and really, uh, really take some, some of the pressure off. You're playing with house money uh, is what IU is. Uh, is doing right now. You're playing with house money. Uh, you're you're three and zero. You should get out of September with four wins, uh, which is pretty uh, pretty darn good. Uh, if you're asking me, last year uh, Michigan State had had an early bye week too, and, and then they played Notre Dame at home and, and got smacked. Um, and in 2016, they had an early bye week. They ended up beating Notre Dame. Uh, so who knows how this team's going to respond. Uh, they have a lot of these early bye weeks uh, dur- during uh, during their season uh, the last couple of years, so they know how to deal with it. Um, and we'll see what happens. They, you know, they've won two of the last three coming off that open week. So who knows how they're going to respond. Uh, but this, if they haven't fixed this offensive line, IU's got a real, a real shot. What IU needs to do on the field is, Stop their running game, and they'll they'll be okay. If IU stops Michigan State's running game and forces them to throw, Indiana's pass off a pass defense statistically is, I believe, number one in the Big Ten, um, and uh, number twelve nationally. Yeah, number one in the Big Ten, allowing 135.3 yards per game. Some of that is due to playing uh, playing in a monsoon. Uh, but when you're ahead of Michigan, Wisconsin, Iowa, Penn State, all those with blue blood defenses, who and Indiana sits on top of that. I don't care what what weather you're playing, and that that's pretty pretty darn good uh, in, in terms of that rush defense. Is a little different. They're ranked 95th nationally. Uh, we'll see what they what they do there. Uh, TJ, let's get to. Uh, Let's get to uh, uh, your matchup to watch. Yeah, I mean, I think the uh, there are so many that you you would look at. You'd say, uh, I think a, a fair one would be Indiana's offensive line. Um, you know, and, and Stevie Scott, the running game against Michigan State's front seven. Um, it's a a real chance for the Hoosiers to kind of stamp what has been a highly successful running attack so far. You know, going for over 200 uh, 200 yards more times than they did all last season already, uh, and it's a, in my opinion, it's a legitimately, uh, you know, I don't think that these are phony stats. I think the IU running game has definitely gotten a lot better, uh, but you know, going against Michigan State, it's a real chance to prove that. So you could go with that one. Uh, you could go with the uh, IU defensive line against Michigan State's front offensive line. Um, as, as one that if Indiana can control that, you feel pretty good about their ability. Um, yeah, I, given how Michigan State um, has played and given how good I think Brian Lewerke can be as a quarterback, uh, he didn't show it uh, at Tempe against Arizona State, but, I mean, he's very capable of winning them games, and he did against Utah State with his play late. I'm going to go with IU secondary against uh, Brian Lewerke in the Michigan State passing game. Um, you know, you just mentioned IU's passing defense numbers. Uh, and, yeah, you're right. Some of that's helped by the weather that they played against uh, or that they played against Virginia. But, um, you know, we had an idea about this secondary coming into the season 
And so far, their play has only validated what we thought. Uh, I think it's a secondary capable of matching up with just about anybody in the country uh, outside of your, you know, super elite teams like in Alabama, uh, who I I don't think anybody can match up with right now. So of the kind of, you know, everybody outside of kind of that upper crust, uh, I think this IU secondary likes, likes their chances against many of them. And that includes Michigan State. So uh, for me, I feel good about Indiana's chances to shut down or at least limit Michigan State on the ground. That means the Spartans are going to be relying on Milwaukee uh, to beat IU's secondary if they're going to march their way down and score enough points to win on Saturday night. Um, So that's why I'm taking that as the matchup to watch. And I really do think it's going to be fascinating because IU has some guys playing very well in that secondary right now. Yeah, uh, that's a, a good matchup to watch. Uh, excited to see that one. I'm going to go uh, with Indiana's rush defense against Michigan State's uh, rush attack. This, I think, is the key to the game. It's making them one-dimensional. Make Brian Lewerke throw the ball against this defense. Uh, IU yeah. could go too, you know, too deep at each of the secondary positions. Uh, what they can't do is let up big run plays. I think that's that's how you win Big Ten games is with the running attack. If you shut that running attack down, make Brian the work, you throw the ball up. IU is going to get their takeaways, uh, hold on to that ball, and you know if he throws for 250 yards and a couple touchdowns, okay. But if they're, you know, you can still win that game if they're, you know, under four yards per carry, uh, under 150 yards rushing. That that'd be a fantastic day for for the Indiana defense uh, heading into this game. Prediction time, PJ. Who do you got this week? Oh, boy. You know, it's a good opportunity for us to look real stupid. Um, yep. But, uh, you know, we have, uh, I think there's been a guarded optimism around um, kind of how good we hoped this team could be, but there were so many question marks uh, entering the season and so many unknowns that it was hard to feel incredibly confident about anything, good or bad. Um, There are still a lot of question marks, but the contributions that Indiana is getting from their young players, and the veterans have been good as well, but the contributions IU is getting from their young players, guys like Reese Taylor, Stevie Scott, Michael McFadden, James Head, uh, the linebackers that are stepping up into new roles, the secondary, uh, so many young players have made contributions and have kind of stepped up and started to answer those questions in a positive way. Uh, I feel that our, our guarded optimism has been founded, um, has been validated. And I, I feel really good about this IU team. I'm not here to suggest, oh, they're going to win 10 games. And uh, I'm not here for that, but I am here to predict uh, it's time for Indiana to, and, you know, I know they've beaten Michigan State recently, but I think this Michigan State team is better than that one turned out to be. And I think this IU team is, is a lot better than that version was. Uh, I think Indiana puts their stamp on the start of Big Ten play uh, with a, kind of a statement win, a big one at home. I'm going to take IU to win 31-24. to 24. Uh, And I, I, I just feel like it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a game where I use a head – uh, unable to necessarily 
knock out Michigan State with kind of that, you know, big blow. Uh, and then I think for whatever reason, whether it's the strength and conditioning, whether it's Tom Allen and the belief he instills in players, or maybe it's just having better talent than they had before, and that's what it comes down to. Uh, but I think IU makes the big play at the end of the game as opposed to has it made to them uh, taking on one of these Big Ten giants and the Hoosiers win it by a touchdown, uh, 31-24. Bold prediction. As you said, it's a good week. Uh are to look like a bunch of idiots. Um, yeah. But yeah. you're right. I mean, IU had this game won last year. Had they made uh, a couple throws uh, and turned yep. some field goals into touchdowns, I don't think this Michigan State team is any better than it was last year. Uh, in terms of talent on the field, Joe Bocci is an incredible linebacker, and he's going to be a problem. But Indiana should be able to, to do some stuff. I think they open up the uh, the offense a little bit. They, it seems like they've been saving some offense or special plays for this game. They don't want to call it vanilla because they've run some jet, jet sweeps and all that stuff. But it's been pretty, pretty simple uh, on offense. There's no gadget plays. Uh, you know, you figure Reese Taylor is going to throw the ball eventually uh, with his talent. Oh, yeah. And, uh, Aren't you waiting for that every time he gets the ball? I, every I'm, time. I'm kind of – every time he touches it, I'm kind of like, eh, is this time? You know? Eh? Especially – I think there was one play last week um, – they threw it to him. It was a backwards pass by a yard or two. Uh, he never looked down the field like he was going to throw it. It wouldn't have made any sense to, you know, kind of put that film on tape or to put that play on tape. Um, but I know it's got to be in that playbook, uh, and they're waiting for the right time to break it out. So you're right. That's one they could bust out uh, Saturday night. Yeah, and – you know, just spreading the ball around a little bit, throwing it deeper. There, there's a lot more they could do with this offense, I think. Uh, it's not a knock on the board. I think he's done a fantastic job of managing the first three games and, and getting IU in a rhythm and building up the confidence of this offensive line and this running game. Uh, you know, back-to-back games, over 200 yards, uh, you know, 230 yards rushing on the ground. And it's it's time for them to step up as well. We'll see exactly where they are. I, I really really want to take IU in this game. I, I really do. Um, there's a little bit of me that goes, maybe Michigan State takes their frustrations out on them this year, uh, like yep. that. But you know what? I'm gonna bite the bullet with you. People can write in, call us idiots, whatever. Don't care. Um, and uh, I'm going to go IU 24, Michigan State 21. Uh, they they get the win. They hold on. Uh, electric atmosphere in Bloomington. You know, who knows how this Michigan State team responds. There's a lot of players that were still on that team that were 3-9 and nine that kind of quit uh, on the field. Uh, we saw in Bloomington in, in that overtime uh, loss a couple years ago. So we'll see how they respond to adversity. It should be a really, really good game. It's it's about time that the old brass platoon becomes a rivalry that IU fans get fired up about. Uh, there have been close games the last four or five, three or four times that, that IU has played them. And 
you know, it, it's it's been. I'm going to go 24-21, yep. Indiana. If they get past this one, I don't want to look ahead to Rutgers, but you're looking mighty good heading into October. Yep, absolutely. I mean, it's a really good opportunity. Um, you know, and look, Michigan State, as you just mentioned, I mean, it's a very good team. It's a team that's a, a program that has experienced a ton of success recently. Um, they've got a great coaching staff. They they developed their players extremely well. Um, you know, they've had two weeks to prepare for this one, and it's very possible that they come out, they've addressed the issues that they had the first two weeks, and they they look really good Saturday night. That's very, very possible. It would not be at all a surprise if Michigan State played extremely well uh, on Saturday night. That that wouldn't uh, it would not be a shock. I I just I like the feel around this Indiana team. Um, we have not seen them put together three consecutive solid performances like what they've done to open this season. We haven't seen that in a long time. Uh, no, they've put together four, yeah, four quarters against four quarters against yeah. uh, against Ball State. They they built the depth that they needed to build. They can roll out, you know, second and third teamers, and, and they very rarely uh, miss a beat, uh, you know, on, on defense, uh, on offense. They can roll out, you know, a couple guys at receiver. The running back is great. My biggest thing last week is great to see Ronnie Walker and Craig Nelson uh, get some carries yeah. there because against these Big Ten teams, they're going to need uh, a couple running backs to do the job. They saved Stevie Scott's legs a little bit, only running him 18 times, they're probably going to need 25, maybe 30 carries out of Stevie Scott, a couple carries out of Peyton Ramsey, and then uh, maybe a couple carries out of Ronnie Walker and and Craig Nelson as well. Get to to that 40-50 rushing guard mark, really set the tempo with this offense, uh, control the game, and then let special teams take over. They've been outstanding on special teams outside of the the snafus against – against Virginia, if they clean up those penalties um, and let Jay Sean run, it, it could be a special night in Bloomington. Anyway, that does it for tonight's podcast. TJ, thanks for joining me. Enjoy the rest of your Monday. Enjoy uh, the rest of the week, and we'll talk again after the game on Saturday. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks, everybody, for listening, and uh, have a good week leading up to a, a big game Saturday night. Uh, Win or lose Saturday night, IU has uh, done what they've had to do in the non-conference portion. Uh, And as we enter Big Ten play, they're in as good a shape as they possibly could be uh, in terms of health and in terms of, you know, on-field performance. So, um, so far, so good for this season, but uh, we're just getting started. Yep. Thanks for listening. Uh, Check out HoosierHuddle.com for all your Indiana football news. Getting into the game on Saturday. Indiana kicks off against Michigan State at 7.30 Eastern time in Bloomington. The game is on Big Ten Network. Uh, you can watch it there or listen to it on the radio with Don Fisher. Always a great listen. Uh, just some PSAs for fans. Parking passes are sold out online. You're going to have to call the par- um, the ticket office or go in person to get a parking pass. Tickets are still available online uh, through iuhoosiers.com. And you can always look on StubHub and secondary sites as well. Uh, Thank you for listening. Check us out on Twitter at Hoosier underscore Huddle. 
And remember to go to HoosierHuddle.com for all your Indiana football needs. Thank you. Have a great Monday night. Have a great rest of the week. And we'll be back Saturday to talk some Indiana football. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. 
After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows.